What's going on? Welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Happy game day, Pelicans fans. Pelicans are back in action tonight as they welcome in the Chicago Bulls, a back-to-back to end the first half of the season. They'll take on the Miami Heat tomorrow night. Later on in the show, we'll hear from the television voice of the Pelicans, Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels. But we have a very special guest this morning here uh, in Bryson Bishop. And for those of you who don't know Bryson Bishop, I think you learned a little bit more about him yesterday Thanks to J.J. Reddick's podcast, The Old Man and the Three. Today, it was released uh, with Zion Williamson as a special guest. And, of course, there's a viral video from four years ago in high school for Zion where he's being guarded by Bryson Bishop, who joins us now. Um, It's been a video, Bryson, that is, you know, I looked at it this morning on YouTube, uh, around 7 million views, and that's just one of the videos. There's a a ton of them um, that I've seen uh, this morning. First of all, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. So let's let's talk about the video just for a second before we go back to that play and that situation for you. How many times have you personally watched it? Does it get old for you, or every now and then do you come back to watch it? Um, I watched it when it came out, but it's been a while ago, so I don't really go back to it very much. But I have people send it to me, and um, you know, I really don't watch it that much. But yeah. What, what's going through your mind when watching that video, even if it's four years removed, three years removed, like whenever you have been able to come back and watch it, what are you, what's going on in your mind about that certain situation? Uh, I think it's just cool how one moment can reach so many people. Um, obviously it's have a mil- like a couple million views. Um, so it's definitely a cool thing. And to look back on it and say like, that was me. It's a pretty cool thing. So um, the people recognize you whenever you're around or, you know, you're, you're the kid that tried to guard Zion or guarded Zion. I mean, what, what's that like for you with all your friends and people that know you? Oh, yeah. Well, especially AAU tournaments when I would travel, um, people would recognize me and I'd actually like take pictures with people. So it's been pretty cool. But um, my friends, they joke around with, with about it all the time. So what was the moment for you when it went viral? So obviously this was four years ago that it did. Um, but obviously again, it resurfaces every time someone talks about it. The first time you realized that this was bigger than you thought, what was that like for you? Um, I would say the night that it happened because I was just laying in bed and it was after our game. And then all of a sudden my phone just started going off, going off, going off. And I looked at it and I'm like, what the world is happening? And so I looked and um, it just started blowing up. And I was like, all right, well, that's pretty cool. But I never thought it was going to get like 7 million views. So next day I go to school, um, all my friends are talking about it. So it was a pretty cool feeling. Let's go back to that night, go back to that game. Um, when you check in, is your coach telling you you've got Zion? I mean, is that is that what's happening? Or did you just go in and say, give me the big fella. I want a piece of him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Um, actually the, the day before we had practice and, um, he said, we're going to run a box of one. I'm like, all right, cool coach. And then he says, but you're going to guard him. And so, um, I was like, all right, well, I took that as a challenge. And obviously, you know, he was the number one player in the class, but once I got out there and we went that box and one, um, you know, I wasn't going to be afraid, even though I know, you know, all the fame he has and how good he is, but, um, I'm just a competitor. So when I went out there, um, I just was being me. I wasn't trying to you know, get all these views and stuff. I was just being a competitor like I am. Has that always been your style? I mean, because you're in there clapping, getting your teammates riled up, you know, kind of getting right up into Zion. And you see Zion's reaction, like, who is this guy right here that's trying to guard me one-on-one? I mean, what was your reaction just seeing Zion be like, this guy's going to guard me right now? 
<laughs> well, to be honest, I didn't even know he did that until I watched the video because I was just a little focused. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's just kind of how I am because I've always been, you know, not the biggest. I have, I have grown, so I have gotten a little bigger, but I've always had to have a chip on my shoulder and have a little dog in me. So that's kind of how I grew up and how I play. So obviously we don't get to see a ton, at least in the videos I watched, about how that went with you guarding Zion. So walk me through a little bit of that game for you guys and how did that box in one fair because obviously there was no one that could really do anything about Zion Williamson given the the height and the um, how big he was in high school. But what was that like for you and your team that whole time trying to game plan about stopping the big band? Um, I mean, we knew coming in he's going to have his 40. We, we knew that. So we were just going to try whatever defenses we could. So going into the game, like we said, we were going to go box and one, um, maybe a triangle and two. But boxing one was the biggest thing. But um, – like I said, I just went out there and you're not going to stop him. So I just wanted to try my best and you know, have a go at it. So that's that's kind of what happened. How long did you have to guard him for? So as far as an entire game, I mean, were you on him the entire time or did you all switch defenses um, in the middle of the game? How long were you actually stuck guarding Zion Williamson? <laughs> well, our team actually ran a 2-3 most of the game, but come second half, they were up a good bit. So our coach just wanted to try something different. And so I'd say from about the third quarter – Probably the whole third quarter, I know we were in a box and one. And then fourth quarter, um, he got taken out. So it was basically one quarter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that a rival school for you guys? Was that a rivalry game between your two Oh, schools? that was. Yes, sir. So what was – so obviously everyone knew about Zion Williamson. How early in Zion's high school career did people start picking up that this guy was probably going to do some big things? Um, I know I've heard my coach talk about him. Um, I know ninth grade was a big year, but I'd say for me personally, I kind of started hearing more about him 10th grade year. And then obviously junior year, all the media stuff took off and he really got his recognition. So I'd say for me about sophomore years when I knew it was legit. And now you see him in the NBA. I mean, when you were guarding him, when you saw the media hype, when he was in, when in 10th grade and, and all the media starting to realize what kind of player he was, did you think at that time we're going to see this guy in the NBA sometime? And also, did you think that he was going to be the player like he is right now for the Pelicans? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, after playing him and being able to see what he does live, just the freak athlete he is, it, it's just – it's really something completely different and special. So I knew, you know, after watching the videos, you know, I saw that. But once you actually play against him, it's like, yeah, this this guy's legit and he's, he's going to make it. I don't know if you saw the video yesterday of the tease of J.J. Reddick's Old Man in the Three, but when he's breaking down this clip, he talks about how much respect he has for you in that situation. Um, when you heard that, uh, what did you think, just knowing that the number one overall pick and a guy that's in his first All-Star game in the next few days talked about how much respect he had for you in that situation for you to, to go up against him? Uh, I mean, that means a lot because obviously he could have – First, I've not even known my name or who I am, but for him to, you know, acknowledge me and then, you know, give me give me some of that respect, like, it means a lot, especially coming from him. And I've been able to talk to him because I almost transferred to that school. Um, I don't know if many people know that, but um, when I went there, he's one of the most home people I've ever met because he talked to me, sat down for me for a little bit and talked. So we actually know each other a little bit, but I mean, it definitely means a lot. And coming from JJ, like, I grew up watching highlights from him because I'm a shooter and I, I just grew up watching highlights of shooters. So Coming from both those guys, it means a lot. Were you able to talk to Zion after that video went viral? Obviously, again, it's been four years, but have you all exchanged any texts? Or I know, obviously, he's a bigger star right now, but were you able to, to talk to him about that moment when it went viral afterwards? 
Uh, only in person. Like I said, when I almost transferred to the school, um, he's like, yeah, I know you. you're that kid from the video. So we talked about it. Um, but I haven't been able to text him, social media, any of that. So it was more in person. I mean, let's give you, let's have you give some advice to NBA players on guarding Zion, because it seems like a lot of guys have want nothing to do with Zion Williamson, especially when he's going to the rim. We saw it the other night against Utah. Chaz, what would your advice be for guys since you were able to, you know, do your best on him? Give, give some players some advice on, on how they can try to stop Zion Williamson, if there is even some advice to give. Um, my biggest thing is, like I said, I don't know if there's a huge way to stop him, but I mean, when you're out there hooping, you're hooping. So you might as well, like, you can't be scared. Just go out there and compete, like I said. Um, you got to have a little of that dog in you. Like, you want to have that challenge. You want to want to guard him. Um, and it just makes you better as a player, too. If you're bar- guarding one of the best players on the court, that's going to make you better in the end. So just don't back down. <laughs> when you look back, when you, you know, as you get older, and obviously you're going to go to Charleston Southern to play basketball, when you're showing your kids this one day, what are you going to tell them about the time that you guarded? Hopefully at that time, we're talking about a Hall of Famer in Zion Williamson and a perennial all-star. But what, when you, you know, have some kids and, and you, you show them this video, what are you going to say to them? <laughs> well, it'll definitely be a good, cool moment to look back and show, show my kids that and, um, you know, say, hey, look, your dad guarded this guy. <laughs> but, um, you know, being a little kid, you always think your dad's is he's a role model, which he is, but maybe they'll think I'm famous or something. <laughs> Do you think this video has inspired other young high school players, AAU players, no matter what, just to, to not give up and knowing that, you know, even if there is a mismatch and, you know, things might not go that well that you still need to go and try, because I think there is a message in there that you see as far as you look so confident going in, checking in, um, energizing your team. Is that something that you hope other basketball players, male or female, take a look at and go, you know, if he can do that, I can certainly do that as well. Oh, definitely. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things, especially in sports is uh, your mentality. So if you have a good mentality and you want to go out there and you want to work hard and you want to, you know, achieve stuff you want to achieve, you got to do the hard things and you can't like back down from those, those um, challenges. And so, and it's cool because I've had people DM me and, and tell me like, Hey, I've seen this video and like, um, I just want you to know, like, you really inspired me by not being the biggest guy, but, like, wanting to go out there and accept that challenge. So that means a lot to me that I've had people reach out and say that um, I've kind of impacted them in that way. So it's cool that I can have an impact on people from just one video. I probably should have asked this uh, before, but, you know, I'm watching some videos this morning. You actually were draining some threes in that same game. How many points did you finish with? How many points did Zion finish? And what was even the final score of the ball game? Um... I don't know the final score. I mean, I know Zion had – it might have been like 38, 41, something like that. But um, I had 13, so – which is mostly off threes. So, um, I do remember that. But final score, I don't know. They they blew us out. It was like 40-point win. Did he guard you any time, or was it just the other way around in the box and one that you were focused on him? Was there any point that he was hovering you around the three-point line, or was that just not a matchup that he had to worry about? Uh, oh, no. They actually um, – they played more of a zone. It was like a – like a one, three, one. So um, they didn't go man. So I never had him guarding me. So it was mostly me on the defensive end trying to guard him. So and correct me if I'm wrong, as I mentioned, you're going to Charleston Southern. Is it next year? Are you going to play basketball for them? Yes, sir. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Bryson, I really appreciate it. I know you have to go down memory lane once again, but you know, we wanted to, wanted to check in with you after, you know, Zion talking about it yesterday in the tease 
with JJ Reddick's podcast, Old Man in the Three. That actually podcast is out today. So for more on that, um, you can log on to JJ Reddick's Twitter and find the show there. Um, but Bryson, if folks want to follow you on Twitter, let's give them a shout out. How can folks get you on Twitter? Uh, let me check my app real quick. <laughs> putting on the spot here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it's at, it's kind of hard. It's at capital B underscore capital P underscore capital B underscore two. So. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Bryson, I really appreciate it. Um, one, just watching the video, just awesome to see. Awesome to check in with you. And I'm sure this is not the last interview you're going to get within your lifetime regarding this. Um, but hopefully now we've adopted you as a Pelicans fan, and hopefully we'll talk to you down the road. Yes, sir. All right, so great stuff there from Bryson Bishop. Of course, that video going viral four years ago and now being brought up again with Zion Williamson being on J.J. Reddick's podcast, Old Man in the Three. And we're joined now by the Fox Sports New Orleans crew of Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels. I'll have the call of Pelicans and Bulls tonight at 7 p.m. Also being joined by Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. And, and A.D., uh, you've seen that video. What did you think of Bryson Bishop there? You know, he was supposed to guard Zion on a box and one. Um, what did you think when you saw the video yesterday? I will. I, I agree. And I, um, I agree with what Zion said. He said, you know what, man, I, I respect it. Just the fact that he still remembers the kid's name. He still remembers that kid's name. And <laughs> I, I respect him. And, and for, for doing what he did, it wasn't just the fact that he went to guard Zion. I mean, that's your job as a, as a basketball player. But it's the swagger that he did it with. You know, the clapping, the getting up in Zion's face, almost like, you know what, man, I don't fear you, which is what you would want out of your team. So you got to respect um, Little Bishop. You got to respect that. Jim, you saw the video as well. What did you think of it? Yeah, I thought the same thing that AD just said. I was really surprised that Zion not only knew the, the, the kid's name, but remembered right. it and, and spoke in such positive terms about it. I feel like a lot of people in that situation would have been like um, kind of, I don't want to say bitter, but just kind of looking back on it, like it was it was crazy what that kid was doing. So, But I, I give him a little bit of respect too as a former player who didn't go very far in basketball, but coaches always loved the – heart that I displayed maybe not yeah. the, the talent or the natural ability but I was I was one of those guys who uh the coaches would always say like well you know at least he plays hard so <laughs> I uh, I thought that was pretty cool that the uh that that Zion reacted the way that he did I definitely would not never have done what the kid the bishop kid did as far as clapping in someone's face I that that's not something that I thought was was part of my game or something that I thought was cool but hey more power <laughs> to him for for being able to be that brave, I guess. Well, you're talking about being brave. I mean, you're seeing some NBA players shy away from Zion Williamson when he gets to the rim, Joel. You just see what Zion's been able to do um, over the course of the, the last month or so. Uh, what have you seen from him and just how he's been able to get to the rim and finish like he has been? Well, it's pretty amazing the way he finishes for contract and not just finish, but AD and I have talked about it. He's just got great touch. And then... Even his teammates are talking about the angles he takes and the way he has court vision to see what he can do before he starts his dribble penetration. Uh, he's just way beyond his years. And, and then you take into consideration what he's doing on a regular basis now at such a high percentage. And I mean, it's historical. But he's at right now, he's at what, 25 and a half points on 61 plus percent, almost 62% shooting. 
for a season, only two guys have ever done that, 25 or more on that high percentage. And that's Charles Barkley and Kevin McHale. So he's, he's, we're in conversation, and this guy's 20 years old, and we're in conversations about him, and we're referencing Hall of Famers that have done this in the past and a little deeper into their careers, not when they were 20 years old. So he's doing a lot of things well. And then he's filling up the box. And, and one last thing on, on, and I love the way he finishes and the way he sticks to it. But this is a development we should stay on top of because it's really healthy. The last two games, he had 10 rebounds last game and five were at the offensive end. The game before that, he had 14 rebounds and seven were at the offensive end. And early last year when he's just starting up and early this season, people are going, is he going to get to the rebounding department? Is he going to get boards? Well, not only is he going to get boards, but he's a reason the Pels lead the league in second chance points and points in the paint. So he's doing a little, a lot of little things. Well, he's ascending gradually, but he's imposing his presence. It's not so gradual when he does that. And it's amazing the way he went up against Rudy Gobert, the best rim protector in the NBA. And we saw those finishes as well, Daniel. AD, break it down for me when we talk about playmaking Zion and point forward Zion or point Zion, whatever you want to call it. How much does that open up things for him, not only going to the rim, but also how much does that help create uh, opportunities for others, especially from beyond the arm? Well, I think when you put point in the front of anything, you know, uh, back in the day when Scottie Pippen used to um, run that, they used to call him point forward. And, and I'll say all the time, you know, Point guard is not a skill set, it's a mindset. So you have to have the right thought process. And Zion has them both. He has the skill set, but his skill set complements his thought process as far as his ability to handle the ball. And I love the fact that Coach Van Gundy and his coaching staff, they're moving him all over the place. You know, one time he's bringing the ball up, they're putting him in pick and rolls as the ball primary ball handler. He is the they're taking him out of pick and rolls with the ball and then using him as a screener and a roller. They're putting him in the dunker spot. They're allowing him to lead the break. They're allowing him to finish the great break. How do you scout that? How do you scout for that? And then he has the, the skill set and the mindset to find his teammates when they're open. And that's what I mean when I say that their point guard position is a mindset. It's one thing when a guy's open. It's another thing to get the guy the ball on time and on target. You know what the most dangerous thing in the NBA is, Daniel? The most dangerous player in the NBA is not a player that's double team. The most dangerous player in the NBA is a player that understands how to play out of a double team. And Zion is one of those guys. You double team him, but you're double teaming also understanding that we're going to give something up and that he's going to make the right read. When Jim, I'm referring to you as the dangerous writer here, uh, as you've been covering this league for a long time, when you see a guy like Zion Williamson night in and night out, do you just sit back and, you know, appreciate what you're able to watch on a nightly basis? Cause it seems like now what we're getting from Zion is you just don't know what you're going to get from him. And that's not a bad thing on him. It's just because he's able to do so much that you're able to appreciate all the different things he can do. And it can, it can be different things on a night in and night out basis. Oh, by the way, I, I am dangerous with a, with a pen and a keyboard. Don't, don't get me wrong. You're right on, right on the money there. Um, but uh, it, I mean, I think what you just said is, is so true. And I think 
kind of taking a step back and looking at it big picture wise, I think one of the things that I'm the most impressed with and the most happy about is just the fact that he's adding different elements that you didn't necessarily expect necessarily go into the season predicting like, okay, he's going to up his playmaking to this level. He's going to see the floor better. He's his passing is going to be more evident. I, I know going into his career, everyone said that he's a really good passer based on what he did at Duke, but it just seems like even compared to last season, he's made a big jump in that area. So when people talk about um, what they expect from Zion right now, 50 something games into his career, I think one of the biggest things I'm encouraged about is that he just keeps showing that he's going to keep adding different things to his game. So um, future wise, I mean, that's, that's really exciting to think about that. He's already doing some of this stuff. I wasn't expecting him to, you know, diversify his game and be so much more multi-dimensional already than he is. Right. So, I mean, if you go for, if you spin that forward a few years, I mean, what are we going to be seeing down the road? He's shown that he can just physically, he's just so dominant. And as JJ Reddick's mentioned a few times, every player in the NBA would love to be able to get 10 layups a game on their strong hand and get right to the rim. So he, he already can do that. And he's 20 years old. So now you add all these other wrinkles and these other other elements and man, I'm, I'm really, it's great to watch now, but I'm really looking forward to what's going to happen in the near future. And you know what though? Go ahead, AD, but Daniel brought up a good point uh, earlier. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, out of all the basketball that I've played and all the basketball that I've watched, and all of the legends that I've been blessed to play with and against, I have never in my 13-year career and now covering the NBA seen anybody finish in the restricted area like Zion does. And that is a bold statement. You think of some of the athletes and some of the dominance that we've had throughout the course of this league. I have never in my life seen someone finish in the restricted area like Zion. And I'm not just talking about with dunks. Because you have guys like Shaquille O'Neal. You know, you had guys that were extremely dominant and could dunk the basketball. I'm talking about the explosiveness, the power, the agility, um, the touch, the second leap. All of these things that go into making up Zion. Man, I cannot think of somebody throughout the history of this sport that I've ever seen finish in the restricted area like Zion does. Yeah, great touch, a great feel. You guys talked about his unselfishness, and that's an instinct. That's a that's a natural ability to set teammates up, okay, to give up the ball at the appropriate time. But also take into consideration, here's a 20-year-old who went to the line in, what, 55 games of his whole career so far. He went to the line in, with 29.5 seconds left, guys. It was a 125-124 game. And he went to the free throw line. He had two at the end of the game. So we know Brandon Ingram's good to be able to shoot free throws. Brandon's one of the league leaders. Brandon's at 88%. But here's a guy who hasn't even played a full 82-game set. And he goes to the line with everything on the line. Forget the Pels had a good lead with 350 left in the game, 14-point lead, and it got away. Now you're putting it on the young man going to the free throw line. So he hits them both. He gets the rebound. He gets it out. Josh Hart gets it. It's the end of the game. Now a five-point lead. But give him credit because with the pressure on in a clutch situation where the Pels have, have failed before but getting better, it's amazing. He went to the line, and they both looked good out of his hands. So that was a pressure-packed situation, and he came through. And don't don't you already see his comfort level increasing? I mean, yes. you mentioned the free throws, but I yeah. already see the makings of 
a good um, mid-range shooter and a good three-point shooter. I know he's, he's still a little hesitant to shoot three sometimes when he's open. I mean, heck, I would be if I knew I could get to the basket every single right. time. <laughs> it's a much higher percentage shot. But I, I feel like those parts of the game, too, I'm so encouraged by his playmaking and his passing because you can just see that as he gets more confidence in a certain area, he's going to be able to keep adding stuff to his game. And I'm sure that that's also going to um, come into play with his, his mid-range shot and his deep perimeter shot. I mean, imagine how much even tougher he's going to be to guard when you know you can't – you also can't leave him open for that 15-footer, that 20-footer that Kevin Garnett, for example, made for a bunch of years of his career that you, you just have to come out to him and then all of a sudden he can just go by you. Which is crazy – why everyone trying to put a ceiling on him so early in his career is just outrageous. And we've talked about this off, so we're not going to bring it up again, but everyone already making up their mind about him and whether this team can win with him or that he's only going to not be a hall of famer. Like it's just crazy to me that he hasn't even played 82 games in his career and everyone has already decided what he's going to be. So you're right. I'm looking forward to see how he develops. He's not even 21 years old yet. And like I talked about earlier, just appreciating what he's able to do right now and just the joy being able to watch someone like Zion. So I'm going to leave it at that. And we're going to switch topics because I know everyone here um, is in agreement on, on just being able to watch how great of a player he is. But Joel, you brought up the, the Utah game and a huge win for the Pelicans after losing to them twice on the road in mid-January. And this topic's being brought up as well in the last couple of games that this team has been the Milwaukee Bucks. They've beaten the Utah Jazz. They've beaten the Phoenix Suns, the Toronto Raptors twice. But they've also had bad losses in Detroit and Minnesota. Is this something that happens with every team as far as there's going to be games where you lose to some of the bad teams and play well against some? Or is this just maybe a frustrating thing that you see from the Pelicans of how capable they are of beating some of the good teams and, and try to scratch your head about why they are losing to some of the teams that are in the bottom of the West and East? Daniel, I think there's a direct correlation in when the Pels lose to teams you think they should have beaten, a lot of times the Pels beat themselves. And, and it's before, if you go back to before February 1st, because there's a lot of things that have changed for this team over the last four to five weeks. Pels had close to 16 turnovers a game until February 1st. Over the last 16 games, the Pels have 12.2 turnovers on average. That would lead the NBA at the end of the season. So they're not beating themselves as often. And Stan has brought it up as well. Sister, way up. It's normal now. They're always they're up 25, 26, 27 a game with the few turnovers. So they're not beating themselves. Offensive efficiency is dramatic since the end of January and the first of February. So the offensive efficiency, if you were to just take it over the last 16 games, they're number one in the NBA. That's how good they have been offensively. They haven't beaten themselves. They've been much more efficient at the offensive end of the floor. If they get their act together incrementally, even slightly at the defensive end of the floor, they're going to challenge for a playoff spot, a play-in spot. They're only three back in the last column as we, we record this right now. So it, it seemed like they were their own worst enemy up until about the 1st of February. And there have been frustrating losses since, and especially in clutch games where they're getting better. The record's now eight and eight in clutch games, but uh, they're not beating themselves as often they're cleaning things up so if they get it together and then we can get into Lonzo in a little bit because Lonzo has been amazing since the first of February a lot of guys have picked it up the bench was so efficient the bench was 15 of 20 last game and, and the bench has not let's face it the bench has not arrived like we thought they would arrive so uh, 
There's the possibilities there. There's a lot of room for growth. But the encouraging signs over the last five weeks as we get ready for the All-Star, the five-day break, uh, it's really healthy what's going on right now. Well, you, you have to learn to win in this league. You do. And, and it is. It, it sounds so much easier than it is. It really does. You know, if you go back and you look at championship teams, a lot of it is a mixture of youth and inexperience with experience, and guys that are battle-tested. That's why Philadelphia goes out and they get Dwight Howard and they go out and get uh, Danny Green. You know, you go out, when you want to make a championship run, you add veterans to that, to that thought process because it's not easy to win in this league. And when you're talking about Zion, who's played 55 games and who's 20 years old, and Brandon Ingram, who's only 23 years old, like, look at the closing lineup of this team and the amount of experience that they have as far as meaningful basketball is concerned. You know, people forget, you don't come into this league a closer. People forget about Kobe Bryant. I understand how relevant the Mamba mentality is right now, but people don't remember against Utah when Kobe shot those air balls and how rough it was for him to learn to be a closer. You don't come into this league a closer. You have to learn to win. And right now, we are in the process of watching a group of young, talented players learn to win on a regular basis. It sounds so much easier than it is. Absolutely. And Jim, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, Daniel, I know I, I wish we had Antonio in the studio post game the other night for yes. radio because we, we've gotten a couple calls lately about does, do the Pelicans have a closer? And I think part of what my response was, was what you said, but I think you did a better job of kind of detailing and obviously from the firsthand experience that you have about that. I feel like they've shown a little bit better signs in crunch time in certain games. Um, the Boston game being the best example of that where they came through in overtime. But, um, but yeah, it's, that's, that's a great way to look at it as far as, you know, I, I said to one of the callers that Zion's 20 and Brandon is 23 and there's various other guys on the court in crunch time that are super early in their career. So, um, but real quick, one thing, going back to Joel's point about, you know, the defense, about how they, even if they can get incrementally better defensively, I feel like, I mean, you, there's a bunch of numbers that you could look at, but over this recent stretch to me, they've played offense at the same level, almost no matter who they're playing. Right. That, that part has been, um, it doesn't, it almost doesn't even matter who they're playing against. Even if it's a team that plays really good defense, like Utah, they're still able to put up points, but the defense has been so inconsistent to honestly bad that that's been the reason why they've still lost some of these games, even though the offense has been good. So, I mean, that's basically the way I would sum it up right now is just the, the consistency and the reason that they're, they have a lot of really good wins against quality teams, but they also have losses to teams that are struggling is just, because the defense is fluctuates so much. And in some ways that almost doesn't matter who the opponent is either. It's, it's, it's like, you can't predict going into the game. Um, okay. They're playing a team that, that doesn't score well. So th this other team is going to struggle to get to hundred points. It hasn't worked out that way at all. It, it felt like early in the season when the Pelicans played against teams that weren't good offensively or don't have a lot of, um, you know, firepower or proven guys, they were able to hold teams down like the game on New Year's Eve against Oklahoma City where they only gave up 80, 80 something points. But lately it just seems like um, no matter wh who the opponent is that they're able to get into 
kind of a groove offensively. And that's obviously something that the Pelicans have to have to change here soon. And can I talk to him something Jim just said? He said that there was a, a call after the game and the question was, do the Pelicans have a closer? And I understand Giannis Antetokounmpo has played in 562 games. He's the back-to-back NBA most valuable player. And he's still learning to close. Yeah. There's still questions about his ability to close a basketball game. Mm-hmm. So the, the, what I, the, the, the point of that is, is having a closer is not as easy as it sounds. You know, that, that's something that sounds great to say, but it's so difficult to do. You know, there are questions right now about Giannis. Is he a Batman? Is he a Robin? What is he? All these other kind of things. And this is what I mean when I say you have to be patient with the process that's developing here in New Orleans. Because you have the highest scoring duo in the league in B.I. and in Zion. And as opposed to looking as to the 80-20 rule, focusing on the 20 that they don't do well, you have to look at the 80 that they do do well and what this team is going to look like two, three, and even four years from now when these young guys that we're talking about right now that are learning to close and learning to win actually do learn to close and learn to win because they're in the prime of their NBA careers. And to AD's point, AD's point, let's look at it this way. Wouldn't it be nice if now three, four years down the road, you had two guys they had to worry about at the end of the games? Right. Brandon Ingram and Brandon who who can hit the long range, the mid range, Zion. You guys talked about Zion adding to his game. They're starting to play so far off Zion because they're building that wall. Wait till he takes that. Forget about the three and he'll have that down the road too. But what about the 12, 15 footer? Because his free throw looks great. And he's going to have confidence in that mid-range game too. Now, I don't want to say get away from what he's doing because he leads the league in points in the paint and points around the rim. And that's at 19 and a half, almost 20 a game. But he's going to add to his game. That's a given. There's no question about that. And then as this group grows and then the confidence they have in each other and the trust factor that it doesn't have to be one guy every night at the end of a game. And it's only going to get better you have multiple guys that can finish games and those multiple guys right now are 23 and 20 and we're not even including Lonzo uh Kyra who's going to eventually develop as a very good lead for this team uh just scratching the surface and those two guys as you said AD combining for all those points per game it's only going to get better for them as they go through clutch game end of game situations in crunch time and they're going to acclimate themselves much better. It's not going to be a big deal because they've been there, done that. And they're going to be the go-to guy where they haven't been that before, but they are now with this franchise. One quick thought before we get into, we have two more subjects here before I let you all go. And the piggyback, Jim and I were talking about it in text after the, after the post game show in that Boston game, who was the guy that made the big lay in to force Boston to have to make a tough shot to go to overtime, Zion Williamson, who made the big shot in overtime to secure the win, Brandon Ingram. So you are seeing the spurts of them closing out games, but again, them learning, it's not going to be perfect every night, but you have seen examples now where they're starting to grow and be able to get those big shots down the stretch in order to win. So um, a couple more things, and you mentioned Lonzo, Joel, so let's get to him, and then we'll add one more thing before we leave. It seems like Lonzo, the way he's been shooting from three in February has, has been amazing, and we talk about Lonzo how much has his role changed to make him so successful right now? It just seems like you're relying a lot more right now on his shooting than maybe him 
with this, as a ball handler. Is that fair? I guess, AD, you're shaking your head. I'll get to well, you in a second. But, Joel, let me uh, – I'll let you go first. <laughs> see, I, I think his mindset has changed. Yeah, I think it's a different mentality completely for Lonzo. The one thing that stands out, Lonzo has hit 24 of his last 28 free throws. So all of a sudden now, he doesn't mind driving and getting into the paint. He doesn't mind being an aggressive guy. Where before, we're at the end of the game, and he's still going to take a lot of threes because he's making a great percentage of them. But before at the end of the game, he'd take 13 shots and 12 or threes. And that's not the case anymore. He's diversified his game completely. He's gone to the free throw line. He has a confidence factor now what he obviously didn't have before. Guys, over his last 15 games, he's averaging 17 on 47% overall, 47% on threes, five boards, six assists, 85% of the free throw line over the last 15 games. So uh, he is growing as well. He's adding to his game like we've never seen before. And give him credit because he put the time in on his jump shot. And now when he gets a catch and shoot, most of the time you feel close to half of the time it is going in. So I think it's a, I think, and AD can speak to it even better as a former player, but I think it's a growth in a mindset. Not that he was passive before, but he's much more aggressive now. Tell me out, AD. I think what we do is we pigeonhole guys. We put guys in a box and we say, um, this is what you do well. Oh, now his role has completely changed. We have to understand this is the NBA that we're talking about. And in the NBA, you play through your stars. That's your job. You have to find a way to implement what you do well to make that work with the stars. So this league is about playing through your stars and surrounding your stars with guys whose skill set complement your stars. So what Lonzo has done, understand what Joe just said. He just gave his stats over the last 15 games. You know, everybody focuses on the shooting and the spotting up. Six assists is in there as well. People forget that part. So he's still facilitating. You know, we see the constant three-quarter court lobs to Zion, the lock and lobs to Zion still making really good decisions with the basketball. But now, as Joe said, what we're seeing right now is the offensive balance. It's not just, I'm a three-point shooter and I'm going to defend. He has become a knockdown three-point shooter. He is defending. He is still facilitating, which is reflective of the amount of assists that he is still averaging. He's rebounding and he's getting to the foul line. And that's when Joel says he is diversifying his game. That's what it looks like. Because we like to say, oh, well, you know what? Now he's in a completely different role. No, he's not in a completely different role. He's just knocking shots down. And now he has expanded his role. Because it's not like he's the primary ball handler. In this league, the primary ball handler, a lot of times, is your best player. So you have to surround your best player with guys whose skill set complement those. Zion and B.I., and Lonzo is that perfect guy with his ability to shoot the ball, with his mentality, with his basketball IQ, and his skill set that complements what B.I. does well and what Zion does well. That's why they both speak so highly of him. Great way to describe it. AD, or Jim, real quick, do you want to add something to that? Sure. I, I know the shot clock's going to start running, running down here, so I'm going to try to get this off. <laughs> this is a percentage buster for you, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I think just generally, I, Stan Van Gundy talked about this yesterday after practice that the, Joel mentioned this too, the free throw shooting improving has given him a lot more confidence to drive. 
And I think from afar as a fan or when you're far removed from the NBA, you never think about how big the mental part of the game is. And I think being around the team and being in the NBA for a while, it's something that's so underestimated when from afar, you think as a fan, like this guy, guy's an NBA player. How could he ever have confidence issues? How could he ever doubt himself about anything? Because you think, you know, if you've made it to that level, you know, you would be, you wouldn't be able to tell me anything if I was at the, an NBA player, you know what I mean? But uh, I think that's <laughs> one of the biggest things that I've taken away from, from him in the two years that he's been here is just how big the mental aspect of it and just confidence wise. All right. Great stuff there. All right. One quick thought before we let you go and I'll, I'll go to AD on this one. We have to talk about tonight's game Pelicans and Bulls. Obviously the Pelicans had some trouble with Zach Levine and Chicago Bulls on the road in February 80. How can the Pelicans get some revenge on the Bulls? Like one, what can you do with Zach Levine there and more of just kind of some keys to tonight for the Pelicans to get a second straight win? Well, I think um, once you play a team, there are no surprises anymore. So when you played Chicago the first time, Obviously, we all knew Zach Levine is Zach Levine, you know, but Kobe White did what he did from the three-point line. I believe they combined for 17 made threes between them. So now your thought process and your defensive mentality has to be different. You know, we were talking about Lonzo. One of the things I love about what Lonzo's doing now is he is literally stepping up and taking a challenge on other guards, which is not easy to do. He did an excellent job on Donovan Mitchell Monday night in the Utah Jazz game. You know, so now nothing should surprise you now. You know what this team wants to do, you know, and giving up 25 threes against the Chicago Bulls last time these two teams met, that needs to be your primary focus tonight, to not allow Zach Levine and Kobe White to have anything close to the game that they did when these two teams met before. All right. Yeah, Daniel, it's one thing. It's one thing when Zach Levine goes off. Zach Levine's an all-NBA talent. So you, you go into a game and AD knows that you, he's going to get his somehow, some way, whether it's threes, whether it's deuces, whether it's at the free throw line, but don't let the other guys beat you. All right. And that's Kobe white. And he had eight threes in the last game. That was a career high for him. He's a talented guy. He's going to be a really nice lead guard for them and a good backcourt mate with Zach Levine. Uh, and he's quick, but don't let the other guys, especially if marketing's not playing tonight, and he's been out with a shoulder injury. Don't know if he's coming back. But don't let the other guys beat you. Zach, one guy is not going to beat you, hopefully. So take care of the rest, and things should work out for you. Because the next night, you, and also take into consideration, you got Miami the next night, and all they've done is won six straight games. So this is a tough home back-to-back. But I agree with AD. Zach Levine, he's a star. He's, he's going to manufacture points for them, and he's their leader, and they're going to feed off of him. Don't let the other guys go off on you and have career right. next. Should be a fun one tonight. Pelicans and Bulls from the Smoothie King Center. You can watch Joel and Antonio Daniels and Jen Hale starting at 6.30. They'll have the call at 7 p.m. And then again, it's the Miami Heat tomorrow night. We'll have another podcast for you tomorrow. Guys, I really enjoyed this conversation. Wish we can go on longer, but I know everyone has a game to get ready for. I appreciate the time. Also, enjoy a much-deserved All-Star break for you guys. Looking forward to catching up with you guys when you get back. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for today's Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. We'll talk to you tomorrow before the Pelicans take on the Miami Heat. Thanks for listening.